Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Bay Preps Insider Podcast. As always, I am your host, Ethan Castle. My voice is still a little hoarse, getting over this throat thingy. Recording this on the early hours of Thanksgiving. For those of you that are too young to be aware, the night before Thanksgiving is a fun night of debauchery, shenanigans, merriment. And it's time to record this in the aftermath of that. As we look forward to section championships, volleyball is done. The only fall sport remaining at this point is football. We have section championships aplenty. Also give you a little bit of basketball coverage, getting into some of the big season opening events, the Bishop O'Dowd Thanksgiving Showcase, the NorCal Tip-Off, a couple other games that I've had the privilege of catching so far. So let's get it started instead of beating around the bush. First off, North Coast section football. Division 7, Friday night, will be played in Ukiah between number 5 Ferndale and number 2 Willits. I I don't have much to give you on this game. I don't know these teams very well. And sometimes the best thing you can do is just admit, yeah, I don't know all that much here, instead of trying to give you a bunch of fabricated information about these two teams when, in fact, I've seen neither of them in person. All I can give you are the results that they've already had. Ferndale with back-to-back road wins over St. Helena and Clear Lake. Willits back-to-back blowout wins at home over Berean Christian and Kelseyville. Division 6 will be played on Saturday night with number 1 St. Vincent DePaul hosting number 3 Salesian at Rancho Catate. So technically it's a neutral side game, but for all intents and purposes... St. Vincent DePaul is the home team. It'll be much closer for them. They will also be the ones in the home uniforms. Both these teams enter at 10-2. St. Vincent last year entered the section championship game 12-0, then lost a 56-55 thriller against second-seeded Clear Lake. Clear Lake with a late touchdown and two-point conversion to win it. In Division 5, the top seed is Miramonte. They will be taking on second-seeded St. Bernard's. That game will be at Akalanes. So again, for all intents and purposes, Miramonte the host. If you wanted to put this game somewhere in between the two, like a true neutral site that's about halfway between them, no one would be satisfied because it'd be about two hours from each, and it would probably be, I guess, Ukiah would be the best site then? I, I don't know. This is a tough one to organize, and it just reminds you how far the North Coast section stretches and how difficult it can be to govern that when you look at, you know, you've got this range of Division One and Two schools in the East Bay, and then these schools that range into Divisions Five and Six way, way, way up north, literally stretching all the way to the Oregon border. While Akalanis will host the Division Five championship, the Dons will be playing in the Division Four championship against San Marin, and that game will be played up in Santa Rosa. I said in last week's recap episode that it's a bit of a strange sight when you consider that Santa Rosa is kind of out of the way of both Nevado and Lafayette. I would have thought they would have found somewhere, somewhere around like San Rafael to host this game. Instead, they're going a bit north to Santa Rosa, Number one seed San Marin, 12-0. Number two seed Aquilanas with QB Soli Bailey. Receiver Calcomit Trevor Rogers at 8-4. These teams met to open the season way back on August 25th. Back at a time when the San Francisco Giants still had 
some semblance of playoff hopes. San Marin won that game 27-20, and in turn is the designated top seed and home team for this matchup. But all season long has been shaping up for a rematch between these two, and it's cool that it came to fruition. Division 3, similar story. There wasn't an early season meeting between Cardinal Newman and Marin Catholic, but for years those two have been on a collision course, and that will be the case once again. Saturday night, San Rafael will be hosting both these teams at 11-1. Marin Catholic's lone loss to San Marin. Cardinal Newman's lone loss to Windsor. Newman the three seed. They won at Los Lomas this past week. Marin Catholic the one seed. Had difficulty in the first half against both Bishop O'Dowd and Tam, but pulled away second half. Again, they will be meeting Saturday night at San Rafael. That is another 7 p.m. game. The Division II championship will be on Friday night between top-seeded El Cerrito and second-seeded Windsor. That will be played in Pleasant Hill at Diablo Valley College. Gauchos, their one loss was that impromptu game against De La Salle. Windsor, a season-opening loss to Escalon, and then the tie against Camp Belindo. Ten straight wins since. Though Rancho Cotada gave him a much better fight in the rematch this past week in the 2-versus-6 game in the semifinals. Both these schools have just been talent factories lately, producing Division I players left and right. And not just that, not just the big names of kids who are just good high school football players, whether or not they have aspirations to really be impact players at the next level. And then, of course, we have the Division I championship Friday night, Number three, Pitt. Number two, San Ramon Valley. At Dublin, 7 p.m. Wolves were there last week. Were suffocated by De La Salle's defense. Pitt, of course, wanted to have that open division shot and a crack at De La Salle. Did not get that. If Pitt wins, they'll be able to say, yeah, we should have been the second seed and faced De La Salle. If SRV wins, they prove that they were right to be there all along. Great QB play on both ends. Neither extremely tall, but both know how to spread the ball around. Marley Alcantara for Pitt. Luke Baker for SRV. Tons of receiver talent. We'll see if SRV has Owen Scott healthy. He missed this past week after getting hurt against Camp Alindo. Even if he doesn't play, you've still got the likes of Hudson Brinton, Dylan Deitch, Danny Drucker, Evan Economos. While Pitt has a group led by Jaden Hudson, who is accompanied by Makari Kenyon as well as Noah Casada, but what's really been impressive about Pitt lately is how well they've been able to run the ball with the two-headed attack of Elijah Bow and Jamar Searcy, because for years the story with Pitt has been they've got all this skill position talent, but not a lot on the line, and considering the way they've been running the ball this year, seems like they've really beefed up in the trenches. I have not had the privilege of seeing Pitt in person this year. The last time I saw them in person was their loss to Folsom a year ago. SRV I've seen three times this year, the two meetings with De La Salle as well as the game against SI. What I can tell you about SRV is if they win this game, I'm going out on sort of a limb, though this isn't a super hot take, that some of their one-way defensive guys are really going to step up between corner Jack Horton, Kevin Spears, and maybe my personal favorite of the whole bunch, linebacker Mitch Bruno. 
Last week, Marco Jones almost exclusively played defense rather than getting lined up at tight end as well. Curious if they'll do the same this week. I mean, they have a ton of offensive weapons, and Jones is a monster no matter where you put him. In the first meeting with De La Salle, he played pretty much every snap and starred on both sides. I would personally go towards putting him in on every snap just because he's such a good athlete. But what he can do just defensively is pretty ridiculous. And if you just want him as a pass rusher, I get that. I just think he can do so much for you everywhere that you got to have him out there at all times so long as he's healthy. But that's just me, and I haven't, you know, been at every practice and known these players back and forth like this coaching staff has. I trust that both these coaching staffs will have their guys in position to succeed, and it should make for a phenomenal game. Speaking of phenomenal games, we're just six-ish hours at the time of recording away from the Turkey Day game, the AAA championship, the San Francisco City Championship, the public school championship between Lincoln and Balboa. It will be their fourth straight meeting. The 99th Turkey Day game. Last year, Lincoln won 44-7. These teams have played some very compelling and close regular season games, but have not played such exciting postseason meetings. And I really believe that is due to change. I said that last year, but this time I'm going to say it with my chest. I really believe it. The regular season meeting, Lincoln scoring in the fourth quarter to win 15-10. I think we'll get a pretty refined, competitive game, and hopefully a good crowd that's more than just some of the San Francisco long-timers and old heads that turn out. This is a game that deserves that sort of crowd that you used to get, you know, packing keys out of the gills. Now, if that is the case, parking would be a nightmare, and it's not good to begin with. So I'd love some advance notice if everyone and their grandmother's going to turn up. But if just a normal crowd turns out, parking will still be a good challenge, even on a holiday. So be prepared for that if you are going to head out. Balboa's got a lot of size. Question is, can they avoid getting flagged left and right? Impact player for Balboa to watch for that I really like is defensive end and tight end Michael Zapata. 6'4", 230 pounds, and a monster on defense. Also really like freshman running back Joseph Smith. And then for Lincoln, Jamel Newman's a lead candidate to be City Player of the Year. Running back, corner, ran for six touchdowns in the semifinal. And then I'm also looking at corner Miles Hamlin and defensive end Jalen Lopez to have big games for the Mustangs and what I really think is going to be a down-to-the-wire affair. And then, of course, linebacker and fullback Diego Cristerna as well for Lincoln, who's been, you know, the emotional heart and soul of this team. If I had to pick a winner, I'm going to lean Lincoln just because I can't see Cristerna going out with a loss in one more Turkey Day game. I think he's going to do something awesome that wills them to victory. That's my prediction. No pressure. The other smaller section championship going on this weekend is, of course, the Silver Bowl, the Oakland Athletic League Championship to be played Saturday night after a day of the OAL Flag Football Championships. As detailed before, McClymans is hosting to give a proper send-off to head coach Michael Peters. There will be tons of alumni in attendance. 
He's coached a bunch of kids that are impact college players, some of whom I'm sure will be impact players in the NFL as well. Originally, the semifinal game was supposed to be a send-off, but Skyline fired their coach and then forfeited. Then the Silver Bowl was going to be against Castlemont, who had beaten Oakland Tech 27-20, but then it was learned that Castlemont used an ineligible player. Coach messed up. He admitted it. Long story short, he had been looking at grades that had been updated after the cutoff date instead of the ones that were used at the time of the cutoff date to judge eligibility. Honest mistake. Sucks for the kids. Sucks for everyone involved. But again, truly a genuine honest mistake. And shouts out to Castlemont head coach Ed Washington for coming out and saying, yeah, I messed up. It's on me. Instead of any sort of stuff, you know, oh, it's a conspiracy. They're all out to get us. Just got out there and straight up said, yeah, I made a mistake. My doing, nobody else's. Which is the right way to handle a situation like this. It's a lousy situation. It sucks for everyone involved. But he went about it the right way. Don't forget, if you haven't yet subscribed to the Bay Preps Insider Podcast, whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or any other platform, to do so. Really appreciate your patronage. This is a completely free publication that is open to anyone and everyone with interest in local high school sports. Please leave us a rating or review, depending on which platform you're listening on and what you can do there. It allows us to reach more and more people, so it truly does make a difference. And thank you for sharing this with anyone you know that might be interested, whether they are a player, coach, parent, fan, neighbor, whatever it may be. We're glad to have you here for the ride. So we've talked about the North Coast section. We've talked about the OAL. We've talked about the AAA. It is time to talk about the five championship games in the Central Coast section. Once again, we're just going to take this from smallest to biggest or lowest to highest as it may be, going from Division 5 up to Division 1. Starting with D5, the miracle run for South San Francisco, the third-seeded Warriors taking on fourth-seeded Santa Teresa. This game will be played at 7 p.m. Saturday night at the newly built McDonald High School in Santa Clara, close to Levi Stadium, close to Alviso. McDonald only fielded a JV team this year and should have a varsity team next year. And these two teams will be playing in the first high school football game ever played at McDonald High. It's funny, you you know, you'll be able to ask one day, what was the first high school football game played at McDonald High? And it wasn't even a game involving McDonald. Just like how the first playoff game at Globe Life Field didn't involve the Texas Rangers. It was the Dodgers against the Padres. Anyway, on one side, you've got the emotional appeal of South City. On the other side, you've got a Santa Teresa team that played in an A-League. Santa Teresa enters as the perceived more talented team. They've certainly played a better schedule. South City has only lost once all year. They come in with the heart, the story, and this is going to be just a really fun collision and a really compelling matchup. And it kind of highlights... Some of the pros and cons of this competitive equity system. 
Santa Teresa being an A-League team that finished tied for third in their league. Yes, of the A-Leagues, you could say that the BVAL Mount Hamilton is a step below the Gavilon Bay and, of course, the WCAL. But it is an A-League, whereas South City was in a C-League. And, you know, it leads you to ask, like, what was Division Five intended for? And that's a question that has to be asked, you know, at the state level as well with volleyball and basketball, because sometimes Division Five you get a small private school. Sometimes you get, you know, a public school that's been down in the dumps and is trying to rebuild or is a very new school. And then sometimes you have, you know, a team from an A-League that just wasn't all that strong within their league, as was Santa Teresa's case this year. And I'm not suggesting that Santa Teresa doesn't belong in a section championship game. I think they're a good team, and I don't want to be perceived as against them. I like how they run their stuff. I really like their coaching staff, actually, especially head coach Steve Pappen and defensive coordinator Ali Body, both really good people. But just having this juxtaposition of two teams in very different positions, it it should lead you to ask, you know, what what is this system for? What is Division 5 intended for? And that is an appropriate question to ask. The Division 4 championship game will be played Saturday, 1 p.m. at San Jose City College between number 1 Palo Alto and number 2 Mountain View. On paper, it is expected to be a shootout. Palo Alto having put up 55 and then 45 points in each of their first two playoff games. Mountain View 49 and then 38. A healthy Kevin Conway means Viliami Sakona can play wide receiver and run a few sweeps out of the backfield as well. You know, normally in basketball you talk about having someone play off ball, but I think with Mountain View's offense it actually applies with Sakona where the couple of games Conway missed, Sakona stepped in at QB and honestly did a pretty solid job. It's just that he's got more flexibility and ability to make big plays if you've got him out wide receiving the ball off of screens or handoffs or quick hitters or whatever it is. The Division Three championship will be played Friday night at Rabobank Stadium, another 7 p.m. kickoff between number 4 Palma and number 7 Alisal. You've got the private school against the public school. Palma beat Alisal, on the field at least, way back on September 15th, 42-15, to but had to forfeit that game for use of an ineligible player. It's worth considering if Palma didn't have to forfeit three non-league wins, you know, where would the Chieftains be rankings-wise, and what playoff division would that have put them in? Also, what would that have done for Alisal and others? Although the other two teams that were awarded forfeit wins against Palma didn't qualify, but there's a whole domino effect out of that. And it culminates in these two teams meeting again, where obviously Palma will be the favorite, but Alisal's going to roll up deep to this game. And normally, having a few more people cheering for you at a high school game doesn't impact the competition that much, truthfully. But I think there are going to be thousands of Alice Al fans at this game. This is the program's first 
ever appearance in a CCS football championship game. And they are going to come out in big numbers. This is one of the section's largest schools. And I'm sure that they understand that they are underdogs going up against a perennial power in Palma that's been in the postseason every year for nearly four straight decades. But Alisal is going to have a whole lot of people behind them. And it should make for a pretty special atmosphere. Now, if you're Palma, I think you've got to look at this game with the idea of we need to just crush these guys early. Don't let them hang around. Don't let them believe. Demoralize them early. Because if you let them hang around, you know, they get a couple stops or they come down and score on you on one of their first couple drives. Then they start to believe. And if you're a heavy favorite, you can't let an underdog believe. The Division II championship will be played at 7 p.m. Saturday night at San Jose City College between number two SoCal and number eight Christopher. Christopher trailed Mini by nine with five minutes left. They trailed Menlo by 17 midway through the third. They won both games, but this SoCal team is a pretty stiff test, one with a loaded defense that shut out a dynamic Monterey offense last week. Christopher is playing to extend head coach Darren Yaffe's career. He has been a football coach in various roles, mostly around the Gilroy area, for 33 years and is just a gem of a guy. Terrific quote, really personable, really easy to get along with, super knowledgeable. Players love playing for him. Media loves interacting with him. Parents love him. Has tons of friends and family showing up at games, but... His team is going to go out there against a SoCal unit that has shut out opponents in the second half eight times. And ultimately, my prediction is that the SoCal defense will end up just being a little bit too strong, a little bit too unforgiving. But that should be a darn good ball game. The Division I championship game is on Friday night, and I will be there. It is number four Los Gatos against number seven Wilcox. They've met in the regular season a billion times. This year was Los Gatos scoring late to win 24-21. Los Gatos has won four straight head-to-head meetings. But this time they get to do it in the playoffs. These teams are very familiar with each other. And because of that familiarity, I would lean very slightly to Los Gatos. Like, if you ask me what is their chance of winning this game... I would put it at, like, maybe 54%. So I'd give them a very slight edge. And I'd give them that edge simply because they've matched up with Wilcox a bunch of times, and it's not that they've beaten Wilcox. It's simply that they know how to face them. And if you haven't played Wilcox before, it's similar to Aptos or any other team that runs a pretty unique system. You're in for a rude awakening, whereas if you've seen him before... Even if it's tough to simulate in practice, you know what you're in for to an extent. Now, the other big stuff going on this weekend is, of course, in the world of basketball. Bishop O'Dowd hosting a Thanksgiving showcase on Friday and Saturday. Real quick, Friday's games. Moreau Catholic versus Vanden at 1230. Grant versus Oakland Tech at 2 o'clock. Sheldon versus Doherty Valley at 330. I'll be at all of those. Then hopefully catch the first few minutes of Modesto Christian versus Davis at 5 before heading off to football. And then Beverly Hills faces O'Dowd at 6.30. Saturday, it's Oakland Tech facing Moreau Catholic at 12.30. 
Tory Pines coming up to face Intercom at 2. Benicia against Beverly Hills at 3.30. Saw Benicia in an NCS loss to Camp Alindo last year. Young unit that should be really strong this year in the revamped Diablo League. O'Dowd facing Oakland at 5 p.m. Anytime O'Dowd faces an OAL school is a great time, and this will be no exception. And then at 6.30, Campbell Hall from L.A. taking on Salesian. Salesian should be one of the best teams in the Bay Area this year, along with De La Salle, who will be at the NorCal tip-off over at Dublin, one of the many events put on by the legendary Jerry Friedis throughout the year. That one, like I said, at Dublin High, all day Saturday. And when I say all day, I mean all day, because the first game is at 8 a.m. between Head Royce and Bellarmine. Bellarmine going to be a sleeper in the WCAL this year between junior Brayden Harris, senior Nick Corbett, and sophomore Will Corbett. Head Royce was supposed to be really strong, took a bit of a blow with the loss of Andre Iguodala Jr. to one of those quote-unquote prep schools, but should still be a solid unit. Follow that up with Ignacio Valley, kind of an unknown entering this season, against Lincoln of Stockton. Be my first time seeing the Trojans at all, which is kind of hard to believe because they're a pretty perennial powerhouse. 11 a.m., host Dublin against SI. SI was young last year, had three freshmen getting serious minutes, usually starting. One of those freshmen, Caden Hutchinson, has since transferred to Mini, but they still have the other two in Raymond Whitley and Steele Labaugh. Also, Theo Lamb, about six foot eight, six foot nine forward, made a big jump between his junior and senior year. Twelve thirty, Weston Ranch versus Bakersfield Christian. Can't tell you much of anything about Bakersfield Christian basketball. Can tell you Derek and David Carr played football there. Weston Ranch saw them at the NorCal tip-off last year when they lost to Reardon, but was very impressed by a couple of their guys, including returning guard Darion Lilly and Richard Banks. They also have added Mateen Rafik, a transfer from El Camino. That's El Camino of Sacramento, of course, not to be confused with El Camino of South San Francisco. At 2 p.m., Reardon facing Roosevelt from Eastvale, which is right outside of Riverside. Roosevelt beat Logan in the state championship back in 2017 in Division I in the pre-competitive equity days. Reardon will be entering this game without a couple of players, including star junior Jasir Rencher, still serving out a couple games of a suspension that carried over from the brawl against Indercombe at the end of a NorCal game last year. That said, it will be the start of what should be a tremendous sophomore year for one of my favorite players in all of Northern California in combo guard Andrew Hillman. It's also Zion Sensley's return to Reardon after he spent a couple years of prolific prep. Roosevelt, led by star junior Brayton Burries, who is, depending on what measure you're looking at, one of the top 20 or 30 juniors in the entire country. 3.30, Vanden, led by Montana commit Tyler Thompson against Clovis West. I have yet to see Clovis West. I've seen Clovis North a bunch over the last couple of years. Looking forward to getting my first glimpse of Clovis West, another perennial power in the central section. 5.15, San Ramon Valley, a team that graduated just one really good player from last year. as just about everyone else back. Mason Thomas, Seamus Dealey, Luke Isaac, Will Ambage, 
all guys that could end up playing D1 basketball. And they will be taking on Capital Christian out of Sacramento. At 7, Mitty taking on Branson. Mitty led by San Diego commit Gavin Ripp and UC Riverside commit Tyler Jones. Branson with junior point guard Dimitri Carr. And Illinois commit forward Jace Butler, who can play 1 through 5 at the high school level. Butler drew a couple of technicals in their foundation game, sportsmanship game, whatever you want to call it on Tuesday, for, quote, hanging on the rim. The first one you'd have to be really stingy to call, and the second one you'd have to be outright delusional to call. There is a shortage of referees, and referees deserve to be treated with respect, but whoever was working this game that called these technical fouls should not be officiating. This was a clear case of a referee that wanted to make the game about him instead of letting the kids play. And that shouldn't happen. It was really, really disappointing to see. And I really hope that it doesn't come with any sort of suspension that carries over into this weekend. I mean, I would hope, if it would, that any governing body looks at this and after two seconds says, no, this referee is off his rocker. And then the finale scheduled for 8.30. I mean, we'll see how on time it is, but Dale LaSalle led by star junior Alec Blair. The six foot six point guard, who's also a darn good baseball player, taking on Centennial, who enters at two and one. Their loss was to Arizona Power Sunny Slope. That they've already played three games certainly gives them an edge. Centennial, the state open division champion in 2022, led by Arizona commit Carter Bryant, a six foot eight power forward who signed to Arizona just a couple of weeks ago. Committed back in April, officially signed on November 8th. So that is where I will be on Saturday. Like I said, Friday, going to catch the first 3-0 down before heading to the CCS D1 Championship. A quick programming note. It'll probably be Tuesday when the next episode comes out. I would love to get things up quickly with section basketball championships and NorCal and state football matchups coming. But I am going to be driving to L.A. on Sunday and then going to the Ravens-Chargers game and then driving back Monday. So while I will try to get something done sooner than, like, Tuesday, that may not necessarily happen. I hope I can get it done, but don't bet the house on it. Once again, this has been the Bay Preps Insider Podcast. If you have any feedback, leave a review, comment, Shoot me an email at ethancastle at gmail.com. And thank you for your continued support. Thank you for listening, subscribing, sharing this with anyone you may think of that might be interested. And I look forward to talking with you again very soon. And the more interaction, the better. So please do comment, respond, email, send me whatever thoughts you have, whether it's about this, whether it's about the economic futures of Burkina Faso. I'm always happy to talk. And on top of all that, I hope you have a very happy Thanksgiving. This is a fun time of year where we're kind of at that crossover between football and basketball season. I really enjoy it, and I hope you do too. 
And I look forward to seeing you around. Hope to see you at as many games as possible in the coming days, weeks, and months.